people what a great morning it is to be alive this is the jamal show welcome to my show thank you for being with us uh we do have i'm gonna bid you good morning we do have a guest in the studio uh deborah how you doing doing well good morning yeah you'll be uh observing and uh commenting when you see that you need to what a great morning it is to be alive comment i must make a comment on the weather it is nice outside it's not too hot so go out and enjoy yourself. Welcome to the Jamal Show on WKND 97.5 FM, 1480 AM. I am Jamal C. Wright, your loving host. Thanks for being with us. Please like the Jamal Show on Facebook. We post lots of interesting stuff here. You can email us at jamalshowradio at gmail.com. Don't forget that I am an attorney who specializes in bankruptcy, so if you need my help for bankruptcy or anything else I am competent for, you can contact me at that email, jamalshowradio at gmail.com. Little disclaimer, please don't forget that my views do not represent those of this station as we are two separate entities. Now, we have some new sponsors coming on the show. We'd like to welcome on board Bolton Financial, a very nice financial services firm in Windsor, Connecticut. We have a meeting with the principal of that firm, Araba Bolton, on Monday, and you'll be hearing more from her soon as she will be visiting us here in the studio in a couple of weeks, August 3rd. She will be here to be... She will be here to talk a little bit about her business and how she can serve you better than the big boys out there. She can give you very specialized service. She's a wonderful lady, and we cannot wait her to get uh, we cannot wait to get her here on to talk. So we are looking forward to that. Okay, folks, time to start the Jamal show. I have a few issues to address, and I know you've been waiting with bated breath. A lot has happened this past week that we need to talk about. But before I begin, I'd like to communicate to you some observations I made this week about people in general, and it is this. Several times this week, during my travels, I've heard ordinary people, meaning people without radio shows, like me, um, repeating that they no longer watch the news. Now, none of these admissions were provoked by me. I didn't go around asking people if they watch the news and or current events. I'd always assume that Americans generally keep up with current events on a pa- in a passive manner uh, through news programs they like or on Facebook or on Twitter or what have you. Uh, this past week in particular, I've been noticing conversations within earshot of my person where people are complaining about the current state of the news media. They say that it's too emotional. They say that it's too partisan. I keep hearing people um, criticizing the media for its inability to state facts in a neutral manner. And I just want to make a comment about this. They simply state that they don't watch the news anymore. None of it. Very cynical attitude out here. I guess you can I guess I can understand that. I mean I I was born in an environment where there were only a few news channels and news only came on TV a couple of times a day. So if you missed it, then you had to wait till the next day to get it. There were no 24-hour news channels until CNN was CNN was created in 1980, and I guess I'm giving away my age a little bit. But now that there are 24, there's several 24-hour news channels, news networks. It seems, even to a news junkie like me, it seems like news has become a little more repetitive, and many anchors are not afraid to take sides here where they used to. Like guys like Walter Cronkite used to be very neutral down the middle. Couple of the added news with a president who is a stand-up comedian who likes to command media attention, whether negative or positive, and what you have is a media that's trying to adapt to chaos. The truth is that this is a very difficult situation for the media to deal with. How do you cover an American president who lies for fun? How does the media paint a picture so ugly as a corrupt president without making the audience turn away in disgust? The media is in a difficult position here. And if the media covers a person who always does disgusting things, it can either report those things as disgusting 
or just act like those things are normal. What we say, normalizing things as they are. Quite honestly, my greater fear is that the media normalizes abhorrent behavior. I think that's a way greater threat than having a passive media in this circumstance. Now, we got started a little early, so I hope you're getting uh, nice and awake, get your mind awake, because we're about to tackle some hard issues here. What I really think is happening is that a lot of people are tired of the president himself, and they are in turn killing the messenger, the news media. But the news media just can't stop reporting the ugly things the president says. It is the news media's job to get the president to answer every question possible, if not for anything else, then for the record, for history, so that future generations know what the president said after we're all dead and gone and can no longer tell them. If the president were an inspiring figure that wrote tweets that made you want to get up in the morning, then people would want to hear more coverage of him, not less, right? But, you know, I'm, I'm talking about this because this environment hits home for me. Because I feel like this show is part of the media, a very small part, but a part nonetheless. This show has a voice, right? And so as I traveled around this week, I thought about how this show can bring something different to media in general. This can be an outlet that can discuss certain issues and leave listeners fulfilled instead of drained. And I came up with the following ideas uh, regarding this show in particular. First and foremost, this show is about sharing good information uh, that we feel that you need to know. We are very adamant about that, um, sharing good information, because there's so much bad information out here, fake news, so to speak. <coughs> This media, this show, the Jamal Show, will not be repetitive in that we will always try to shed new light on subjects, even if they have been discussed before. It won't simply be a complaint mechanism. It will be a solutions mechanism. This show will always inspire your spirit. It will never kill your spirit. You will never leave my earshot with less hope than you had previously. The show will always be straight about its position on the issues, so there's no question of what you're getting. I feel that this is how the rhetoric on this show needs to be presented, honestly, in a way that lets you know that these issues we discuss, how they affect you and your family. I also need to add that this show will be funny. I will be sarcastic. I will be cynical. So don't be put off when I call the president a criminal. I'm not saying it to libel him or to be a drama queen. I'm not saying it to get unwanted attention. I'm saying it because I sincerely believe that Trump is a criminal. And I'm ready to back it up, so feel free to call me if you disagree. So, let's get started on what exactly happened this week, and why I'm addressing this issue. There was a lot of controversy this week after some tweets from the president of white supremacy. I wanted to talk about these tweets and the fallout, but I'm going to do so with the air of stoicism. What is stoicism? You are stoic when you suffer silently. Without great showing of, of, of emotion. I bring up stoicism because I believe that people of color in America have had to practice stoicism throughout the history of this country. Sitting in the backs of buses, suffering the indignity of, of getting more time in jail than everybody else. Suffering the indignities that are associated with being hired last and fired first. Being re redlined by banks. So that they can only, you know, blacks can only be relegated to live in certain areas, in certain neighborhoods. Being mistreated, abused, and, and, and uh, just misused by corrupted law enforcement. Minorities in this country have historically been put into the position of having to set their dignity aside in favor of some social order that they find themselves at the bottom of through no fault of their own, individually at least. It is this social order that Donald Trump supports each time he defames people of color at one or more of his Klan rallies or tweets something degrading regarding minorities. For example, let me go into an example. Five days ago, stand-up comedian Trump let loose with the tweets that attacked four Democratic congresswomen of color. They belong to the freshman class, these congresswomen, and they just joined Congress in, in January. And I quote, and I'm going to quote word for word. I'm not going to do what the rest of the media does here. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Um, I quote, So interesting to see progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe. This is what Trump says. The worst, most corrupted, and inept anywhere in the world, if they even have a functioning government at all. Now loudly and viciously, loudly and viciously, he says, telling the people of the United States, the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run. Why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came? Then come back and show us how it is done. He put like three periods there, so it's, it actually reads, then come back and show us how, dot, 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 it is done. These places need your help badly. You can't leave fast enough. I'm sure that Nancy Pelosi would be very happy to quickly work out free travel arrangements. This is a very nasty uh, note. I, I, I point um, specifically to the whole, you know, your, your government where you came from is, you know, what? Broken and crime infested. Crime infested meaning black. That's what uh, white people generally use. To, when they say crime infested, it, that's like an implication that it's a black area or a black country or whatever. You know, he called them asshole countries. I have a few comments about this statement. And... I want to remind you about stoicism. This is where we have to remain stoic and, and suffer silently uh, the defamation here that he's putting out on colored people. First and foremost, this statement reeks of white resentment. White resentment. This is the presidency of white resentment. It is meant to hurt you if you are a colored person. It is meant to make you feel like less than a person. It makes you wonder how a guy who was born a billionaire has anything to resent anybody for. What exactly does he resent people of color for? I don't know. This is not a statement from someone trying to give you helpful advice. As in, hey, they really need people like, like you down there in Puerto Rico. Why don't you go down there and help them? You know, It's not like that. This is a statement from someone who doesn't like you who doesn't respect you and doesn't think you have the same rights that they have which brings me to point two this statement completely ignores reality the fact that all the members of congress trump was talking about are american citizens so it's actually ironic that the country that trump wants them to, to send them back to the one with all this corruption is this one and he's right the white house is totally crime infested he's right about that he wants these people to go back to the country they came from. They came from here. And he says the country they came from is, is crime infested. And he's correct. Trump is actually correct when he says this country is crime infested. And most of the crime is um, concentrated on the White House. So he's right. The White House is totally crime infested. So as it turns out, Trump is right about that, their task. What we need, we, we do need their help. We need them to come back to this country. And help here in America where they are citizens. But Trump wasn't trying to be uplifting, or he, try, he wasn't trying to be uplifting, excuse me, or suggestive. He wasn't trying to portray reality as it is to his audience. He was just making them feel good. And they feel good when you feel pretty much how much they resent you. When they know how much they, you, they resent when you know how much they resent you, they feel good about that. They resent you. That's the truth. His supporters, his audience, they resent you if you are a person of color. The words he says to them at these Klan rallies, they really wish they could say to people of color themselves. That's why they would never leave Trump's side. He is their folk hero because he tells minorities they ain't that special just because they have more democratic power than they used to. He says to your face, and they love that you have to sit there. I mean, he says these things to your face, and they love that you have to sit there and take it because he's the president. That's what they really love. For that feeling, they will take being lied to every day by him about everything. They will endure tax cuts that hurt them. They are willing to take a bullet if they are guaranteed that it will go through them and kill you. That's how they must feel. Trump supporters feel like if you're going to take the country over, well, they may as well give it to Putin then. They might as well give it to Putin first before you take it over. They prefer him to you. 
This entire performance is about white resentment. Now, although Trump did not single out the lawmakers by name, everyone knows who he's talking about. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, widely known by the initials AOC. Elon Omar of Minnesota. Ayanna Presley, very attractive young lady, by the way, of Massachusetts, uh, state right next door. And Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, very passionate young lady. These four members of Congress are affectionately called the squad. They are from a very progressive wing of the Democratic Party in relatively safe seats and they have been giving Nancy Pelosi who's a skilled politician they've been giving her a heartache since she took the speakership in January She's, uh, they've been pulling the party to the left they've been speaking out on the Green New Deal putting out you know policy proposals as freshmen which is something that freshmen generally don't do they generally stay out of the spotlight excuse me they stay out of the spotlight generally speaking now, mind you, this event of Trump, you know, uh, biting back at them has elevated those he is attacking. He has elevated them. Elon Omar flew back to Minnesota to a hero's welcome and a crowd of 100 supporters waiting for her in an airport. It's ironic how Trump always ends up elevating those he relentlessly attacks. In doing so, he has brought the Democratic Party closer together when before they were fighting, right? You know, all this month, they've been, you know, Nancy Pelosi's been trying to stabilize the Democratic Party because she has people who won Trump seats in, uh, last year in, uh, in the midterms. And she's trying to protect those seats. AOC, they don't really care. They're trying to represent their people in the Bronx and, uh, you know, Ayanna Presley. They're trying to represent their, their constituents. And they're taking the party where they think it needs to go. More to the left, more progressive. Nancy Pelosi's trying to stabilize it. So there's tension there. And in and, and, and attacking these women, Donald Trump has done kind of a favor for the Democratic Party. He's brought them back together. Now, I recently heard that the true currency in the world isn't in dollar bills. It isn't in um, pesos. It isn't in actual currency. But is it, it is in the intention of people, the attention of people. That's what the big corporations spend their dollars to get. You know, when they spend a million dollars on, on commercials for the Super Bowl, they're trying to get your attention. They're trading money for your attention. Your attention is actually worth more than money. The reason why Shaq is on the board of Papa John's now is for your attention. They're paying him hundreds of millions of dollars because John Snatter happens to be a little bit racial there. And uh, they kind of need black people to buy their pizza, don't they? So they, they made Shaq a board, member to get a board member to get your attention. So attention is a true currency here in America where advertising is what drives the, the economy. So what these freshmen uh, uh, congressmen have now is the people's attention. And it's been given to them by Trump because of their activism as well. But Trump has given them real currency. Quite possibly, they are the most powerful freshman Congress members in the history of the U.S. Congress because of this uh, event, so to speak. And you know what? They responded to Trump. AOC said, you are angry because you can't conceive of an America that includes us. Ayanna Presley, who was born in Ohio, she's the black one. She said, uh, this is what racism looks like. Elon Omar replied to Trump by accusing him of uh, stoking white nationalism. And Talib, Rashida Talib, she said, I'm fighting corruption in our country. Detroit taught me how to fight for the communities you continue to degrade and attack. Now, Rashida Talib was born in Detroit to Palestinian parents, so she has uh, some other issues because, you know, Donald Trump's a big supporter of Israel against the Palestinians. So, you know, she's got several fronts that she's fighting on. She and Omar, Rashida Tlaib and uh, Elon Omar, were actually the first two Muslim women ever to be elected to Congress. Which seems a little late for that, doesn't it? I mean, we've been around for over 200 years and we're just getting Muslims on the Congress now? Wow. Now, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I actually think that these were bad responses. 
because it takes the com it, it takes the comments of this famous stand-up comedian Donald Trump way too seriously. Donald Trump was on a stage in front of his clan mob of supporters, and these were really just jokes. This is where being stoic comes in. This is why I, men- I mentioned the idea of stoicism when I first started speaking. Not giving your enemy the joy of seeing you uncomfortable. They're trying to degrade and manipulate the way you feel about yourself. Like you don't belong here. Maybe you've never been to a comedy show. But none of that material you hear at the show is ever meant to be taken seriously. And such is the case with comedian Trump. I believe that these congresswomen took Donald Trump too seriously. They let him get under their skin. They should have just laughed him off and been like, whatever. Hey, Trump, I already went back to my crime-infested country. I'm here now working on bringing down that country's dictator. That's what I would have said. I said, yeah, I, I went back already. I'm, I'm here now. And you're right, this place is crime-infested. And I'm trying to get into the White House so I can get this guy out. Why don't you help me by resigning? That's what I would have said. I wouldn't have said, oh, you know, well, we're going to be strong. No, 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 no. This guy's a comedian. Don't take him too seriously, all right? When stand-up comedians talk, you're supposed to laugh and then leave the, the, the venue. That's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to take it seriously and be like, yo, why did you tell that joke? Um, we're we're going to be like Martin Luther King. No, 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 no. Standard comedian Trump is to be treated exactly as what he is, a guy that mentions nonsense every time he opens his mouth. And if you take nonsense seriously, then you look like you're, you're, you're participating in it. You look like you're, you're a fool with him. You're just going along with the game. We don't need to do that. We need to be stoic because we have seen this before from Trump. This is no surprise. We need not give him the enjoyment out of seeing us respond seriously to his comedy. And these aren't the only things Trump has said. Remember, this is a man who called beautiful countries like Haiti and those in Africa asshole countries. And let me just tell you something. The ironic thing here is that he actually said the word. I say asshole countries. He said the word. Rhymes with fit, right? If I say that, I get fined by Donald Trump's FCC guy. If I say that right now to you, I get fined by his FCC guy, but he can say it on live air. And he can't get fined because, of course, he's the boss of the FCC guy, right? So you want to talk about laws that don't apply to everybody. I just had to point that out because I'd really love to say it, but hey, you know, the bishop's not here today, and I don't feel like him coming with a hatchet when he comes back from his little vacation. I know he's listening. So I'm not going to go that far, but I will say that this man has attacked many, many people. The Pope... Um, he said that a Mexican judge couldn't do his job because he was Mexican. I mean, that's something even Republicans were like, yo, that's racist. You know what I'm saying? He has been sued successfully for discrimination in his buildings. He still treats the Central Park Five like they are guilty. They're now called the Exonerated Five. I'd like to twist on that. He's attacked women. He's attacked the Pope, as I said before. He's attacked American war hero John McCain weeks after his death. And still he continues to attack John McCain every now and then in front of McCain's close friends and family and widow. These actions are a reflection of him, Donald Trump. Let's not wrestle with a pig, people. Because when you wrestle with a pig, all you do is get dirty, except the pig likes it. This man doesn't care about anything but himself. Let's not give him more pride in himself by letting him know he got under our skin. That's my position. I'm going to continue in a few. I actually want to play something for you. See if I can get this to work. The bishop's not here today. So I'm running free in the studio. See if we can get this stuff up. Give me a break. And the moon is the only light we'll see
has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see enjoyed that little song that was uh ty blesses new release we had to break it on the jamal show ty bless is a uh, great artist um good friend of mine also the director of the extreme mix radio group gotta give them a shout out my people at the extreme mix radio group are putting together my podcast and they are going up i'm sending them out they're going to be available on itunes all that stuff uh pretty soon so thanks to ty bless and the extreme mix radio group for distributing me I appreciate all the help and the love. I want to get back to Comedian Trump. It's very, very important that we realize what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a man who's not serious, and he's begging not to be taken seriously. His office demands that he's taken somewhat seriously, to an extent, legislatively. He has power over things that affect us, obviously. But, you know, it's funny, when they first said that don't listen to what Donald Trump says, listen to what he does. I was greatly offended by that because a man is supposed to be about his word, right? I grew up, one of the things my father always taught me is when I don't have anything else, I have my word. So my word actually means something. I can never be a troll up here, you know, saying things I don't really believe. You know, obviously he can't. And I take that kind of thing seriously. So that's the kind of man I don't really understand. And I'm not going to seek to understand him. It's a waste of time. So he said these things to these four congresswomen uh, last week. And as I just said before the break, he says a lot of things. He said there were going to be raids last Sunday. I didn't hear anything about a raid. I didn't hear about one person being picked up. 
He said they were going to, I mean, fake raids, man. He said that they were going to be, uh, a, there's going to be a wall built by, built by Mexico. I don't even know if his own supporters believe that. When I talk to Trump supporters, I just ask, where's the wall at, man? Where's the wall? Don't give me no excuses. I don't want to hear that. Where's the wall? He said he, he, lived, by, he lived up to all his promises. Where, where's that? They go into other things. Oh, the economy. I'm like, yeah, that's nice. That's nice and kind. That's nice and fine. But he didn't say, I'm going to build an economy. He said, I'm going to build a wall. So where's the wall at? Let's get down to brass tacks, baby. Now, after these four members of Congress responded to his tweet, I'm going to get to the, the hot part. It's going to get a little hotter. Stand-up comedian Trump felt like he wanted to tell more jokes at the expense of colored people. And he figured the best way to do that would be to hold another Klan rally in the Midwest. So that's what he did. Like three days ago, at the rally, he defamed four, the four ladies of color again, the, the four congresswomen, and made up stories about how they hate America. Oh, she hates America so much. As in, that's supposed to justify us wanting her to get out, to get out of the country. That's, that's supposed to justify him saying get out of the country, leave, or what have you. Let me tell you something, people. I'm an attorney. And you actually have the right to hate America if you want to. I can say right now that I hate America. And no cops are going to come in here and arrest me and say, hey, you know, where's your passport, man? We're taking you to the airport. That's not going to happen. You have every right to hate America. The Supreme Court has actually ruled that you can burn a flag. In front of people, anywhere you want to. It is a statement. It is part of your free speech rights. Now, let me give a shout-out to John Paul Stevens. Rest in peace. Um, Supreme Court Justice retired uh, many years ago. Just died at 99 years old, a ripe old age. John Paul Stevens actually uh, disagreed with that Supreme Court ruling. The Supreme Court ruled you can burn a flag. It's within your total right. It's within your free speech rights. It's covered by the First Amendment. John Paul Stevens actually didn't like that. He's a very liberal judge, a hero of mine, but he didn't like that. He felt that the, the burning the flag was a different thing. He felt it was an action that was, uh, was actionable legislatively by the government to stop you to do that, to stop you from doing that. So Trump gets up and tells the audience, it's okay whatever I do to her because she, she, she hates America. This reminds me of uh, almost having with a Trump baby uh, recently. I, I talk about police brutality to him, and he shows me statistics that say the black people are violent. Oh, well, black and black crime is high. Well, you know what? This is where you stop them. Legally, even if every black person on earth is violent, that doesn't give you a justification to imprison me. I'm a different person, and under the law, individuals are supposed to be treated individually, right? So you can't be like, every other black person is violent, so that's why we're beating you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't justify the mistreatment of a person based on what they say. You can't say, oh, well, she hates America. It's within her right to hate America, but we don't like that she's hating America, so let's send her away. That doesn't make sense. Dissent is part of this whole country's fabric. And let me remind you, there was another person that, that uh, hated America, too. When he says hates America... What he's saying is, you disagree with me, so therefore you hate America. Well, I remember a guy that actually hated America before this president was even in office. There was a guy that hated Barack Obama. Believe it or not, believe it or not, there was a guy that went around talking about how Barack Obama wasn't born here. There was a guy that did that and, and asked for his birth certificate and said, he told the news media, hey, you know, I've sent people down to Hawaii to check out Barack Obama's birth certificate. And it's amazing what they're finding. And I'm going to report on what they're finding. That report never came. But there was a guy that harassed Obama. Just happened to be stand-up comedian Trump. So what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? No, 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 no. See, when he's president, if people criticize him, then that means they hate America. But when he criticized the president, he loved America. See how that works? Different rules for white people, y'all. That's the essence of, of, uh, of discrimination. Different standards for different people. So he had this Klan rally about three days ago. At the rally, he defamed the four ladies of color. He made up stories about how they hate America. How do we know they hate America? Because they criticized the president. 
And if they don't like the president, I guess they can leave. So that's his whole uh, thought process. And as I just said, it's funny because Trump criticized the last president relentlessly. But nobody ever suggested that he or his Slovenian male or the wife should go back to where they came from. Or that she's, you know, she should go back to whatever country her mail order catalog was published in. Or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, no one ever went after his Russian wife. <laughs> whatever you want to call her. I don't know where she's from, to be honest with you. So, I'm just going off on here. Because this different standards thing is what bothers me. Trump also said, and, and, I, and I quote, These people have no right to tell us how to run the country. Now, mind you, he's talking about Congress people who literally have the right to run the country. So, yeah, um, it's their job to tell us how to run the country. That's what we pay them for. If they didn't use that right to run the country, then they would be derelict in their duties. So, yes, they do think they can tell us how to run the country because they're Congress people. That's what their job is, idiot. Then, out of the blue... During the rally, and this is the high point, this is the part where people start getting all caught up in their feelings. The audience starts chanting, send her back, send her back, as if they, as if they can just send minorities back that they don't like. Like, you know what, that Jamal guy, we don't really find any use for him. What country does he come from again? Get his passport, let's get him out of here. Like, they can just order people around. Like, you know, we'll send her back, we'll keep her, we'll send her back, we'll keep her. I'd like to send Donald Trump back, to be honest with you. How many people can we get to chant, send him back? Probably millions. People forget, the day after his inauguration, we had like 100,000 people in the streets. 100,000 people in the streets. Probably the biggest protest in American history. All on a whim. Nobody sent like invitations or emails out like, hey, meet us in Washington for this big protest. People were just outraged. They were like, this clown? Everyone forgets that. Being a constituency under Donald Trump means that you're forever going to have a short memory. Because he's going to do something tomorrow to make you forget what he did today. Which some people will call brilliant if you're an idiot. If you're a moron that can't really do much, you can't produce. You've always got to say, look at that squirrel, right? So this, they're chanting at this Klan rally, send her back, send her back. And this is an old racist trope that all minorities have heard in one way or another from the majority. Oh, we can just send you back. This is our land, even though you may be a citizen. These people are hearkening back to the days when a white man could tell a man of color to leave the room and not get laughed out of the house. Leave the room and let grown people talk. That isn't true today. Someone needs to tell Donald Trump it's not, not 1957 anymore. But that would be taking him too seriously. Nobody is leaving. Or has to leave. That's why we must be stoic. You know why we must be stoic? Because this is nonsense. If I was to come to you and babble and say uh, blah, blah, blah. You wouldn't look at me and be like, man, I'm very offended about what you said. You'd be like, oh, this guy's talking nonsense. Let me just walk away. Let me pass him by and look the other direction. If Donald Trump was talking in the street, you just walk by him. You'd be like, okay, you know, there's a lot of sick people out here, you know. We pray that we get mental illness taken care of in America. We need to put more money towards mental illness. God bless this man. I'll pray for him when he gets home, when I get home. That's what you say. You just walk by him. Now he has this presidency thing above him, so now we have to listen to him to a certain extent, right? But let me tell you, while we're listening, we can know that this is nonsense, right? Because nobody is leaving America. No one has to leave America. It's all just talk. No president has the power to throw any citizen out of the country for any reason. The Trump babies know that. They aren't saying these things. They aren't chanting, send her back to make Congress members think that they'll get kicked out of America. They're saying these things because they resent minorities. They think things have come a little bit too equal. Cops have to answer for shooting unarmed black people now. It used to be that cops could just, you know, make a little mistake. Oh, sorry, black guy, dad. Mm. I'll go and explain it to the chief. You know, he scared me, whatever. You know, had to, you know, whatever. Had to take care of it. Plant a gun, whatever. Oh, dead black man. Family crying. You know, sorry about that. Sue the cops. Hey, we'll give him $10,000. 
And the story. Let me tell you something. Little story. My own uncle, Irving Wright, was a cop who was shot in the back by cops in New York City on 114th Street. And there was hardly no investigation about that. They p- passed out some money to the family. And they were like, okay, well, sorry. He had a store in Harlem. Some thieves came in to rob him. And he chased the thieves down the block. And the cops shot him while he's running down the block in the back. They got an answer for that stuff now. They didn't used to have to answer for that. You know, I, I was beat by cops as a teenager. What kind of man in a uniform with a gun beats a teenager, right? These guys are allowed to walk around freely. Back then they were. Now, they have to answer for that. They, that's annoying. Why, why would I have to answer for this? It was a mistake, man. Can't you just take that? So, cops have to answer for shooting unarmed blacks now. These damn Black Lives Matter protests, they cause too much traffic. Too much attention has been paid to the rights of the marginalized. These people feel that their rights have a zero, uh, like a zero-sum game. Society realizing your importance makes them feel less important. That means that your rights increasing means that their rights are decreasing. That's how they see it. And most of all, let's, let's not forget to mention, the election of Obama woke them up to the notion that this white privilege stuff, it may actually be beginning to crumble and they may see it crumble during their lifetimes. Now, let me um, try to give the other side of it really quickly. Let me just point out that Trump has not always been the enemy of minorities. But he certainly seems to be painting himself in that corner now. I've heard defenders of Trump say that he has supported black causes in the past. And this is actually true. Many years ago. I mean, um, I'll, I'll name a few. Uh, he was actually involved in getting Wall Street to observe the MLK holiday. When the MLK holiday was first signed into law, the stock market was open on MLK Day. They were like, okay, so uh, business as usual. You know what I'm saying? Columbus Day closed. You know, um, any other day, any other federal holidays, the stock market was closed. But, you know, business as usual on MLK Day. You know what I'm saying? So he did... He did uh, work with uh, Al Sharpton and uh, I believe Jesse Jackson in making sure the, uh, the stock market was closed on MLK Day. He supported the National Action Network. Um, the National Action Network, if, as, as many may know, is uh, headed by Al Sharpton in, in Harlem, right around the corner from where I used to live, right on 125th Street. Uh, they have dinners there all the time for people in the neighborhood. It's a very neighborhood, community-based organization. Um... I have my own calls with Al Sharpton, but the National Action Network, let me tell you something. Black man gets shot in Oklahoma, the National Action Network's on the phone with the family that day. So, you know, say what you want about him. But, and Donald Trump is supported. They, he's been at every dinner, I believe, uh, up until he became president of the National Action Network. He's been very supportive. Uh, he was the biggest donor. Donald Trump was the biggest donor to Democratic causes in New York for many years. He was actually loved by the rap crowd for many years. He's hanging out with 50 Cent. If you look up pictures of Donald Trump online right now, you'll find pictures of him with Puffy. With, well, they call him Diddy now, but I grew up in the 80s. So uh, you'll see pictures of him with 50 Cent. You know, all these rap stars or whatever. There were songs that included him. So he was actually loved by people in Harlem for a while. He was very popular in New York. For his guardiness, you know, black people love that stuff, you know, flash it, flashy. If you got it, flash it. But let me just insert a point here. Just because a man has been a great husband for 20 years doesn't mean he can get away with killing his wife, does it? If I've been a great husband to a wife for 20 years, that that doesn't mean I can go to court and be like, well, I killed her, but I was good to her for many, many years. They won't take time off my sentence because I was good for her for 20 years before I killed her. People can still betray those who they may have loved in the, in the past. And when they do that, they should be treated as if they betrayed you. If Trump has been kind to minorities in the past, that's fine and well. But he's betraying us now. And he's doing so by defaming us at his Klan rallies and on Twitter. Saying things he doesn't really have to say. Throwing people under the bus when he doesn't really have to. You know, he's trying to make a crowd happy. 
He's willing to throw you under the bus to make that crowd happy. You know, whether he is truly racist or not, that's up to God to decide. I, I take a man at his word when I hear him talk. But he has truly shown himself capable of throwing our image under the bus to please his white supremacist audience. And that's what it is. A white supremacist audience. So, let me get to the point of why I brought this up. You know, anytime I, I bring up an issue that's current events, I got to give you a reason why I'm bringing this up, and I got to present some kind of solution. I'm here to uplift. I'm here to inspire. And there is hope here. But how do I think this should all be received? How, do, how should we receive this stuff? Well, first of all, we need to know that it's racial resentment. It's not... He's not suggesting uplifting verses from the Bible to you. He's telling you, you know, you're not all that special. That's what he's telling you. We need to treat these statements as racial resentment. They know nobody's going back to Africa. They just want to make you feel like crap. They want you to have a lower self-esteem than you have right now. They feel that you're, you're too high and mighty. You know, don't get too big for your britches, black people. Yeah, these rights, they, they don't come cheap. You know what I'm saying? They want you to have a lower self-esteem. It's, uh, they want you to feel like they feel. It's why the suicide rate is so high with that demographic. If you look at the suicide rate, it's all the privileged people killing themselves. Why is that? I went to Africa for six months when I was younger in the 20s. And when I was there... I, Suicide is like almost unheard of. I visited villages where people have nothing. They have to walk like five miles for water. And you even hear it with suicide. What, what are you talking about? Abubu, he's crazy. <laughs> this American is crazy. Oh, kill myself? I was, you know, it's crazy. So, how do we take this? We need to know that it's not meant to be real. When they say, we're sending her back, sending her back, they're just trying to make you feel like crap. It's all performance. They, the people that are in that audience cheering on this man, whatever you want to call him, uh, they are their whiteness. So when you attack whiteness, someone, or white supremacy, they feel like you, they take it personally. They're, you're attacking them. And honestly, when that privilege starts to crumble, they do too. So how do we respond? That's how we take it. We take it for what it is. We don't take it seriously. We, it, it's meant to hurt your feelings. It's like if I walk down the block and I see you coming out your house, and I'm like, I'm going to make her feel like crap. Hey, 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 look, you're ugly. Ha <laughs> ha, you're ugly. Now, I have no reason to say that. You probably aren't ugly. Nobody really is. Everyone's, there's someone out here for everybody. Do you know what I'm saying? But I wanted you to feel like crap. And at this point, you have a choice. What are you going to do? Are you going to feel like crap? Are you going to yell at me and say, I'm not ugly. My mama told me I'm not ugly. Or are you going to just look at me and be like, look at this clown. Anyway, I was on my way to the store to get some coffee. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. Have a nice day, clown. That's what you would probably say to me. You'd bounce it back off. You can't allow everybody out here to hurt you. You hang yourself out there like that, people are going to use you as a, as, a, as a punching bag. So how do we respond? Again, we respond with power moves. This is why several months ago I was on the, the bandwagon for impeachment. Hey, forget what the Senate does. That's not your job to worry about what the Senate does. House, impeach him. He's very, very impeachable from what I see. I don't care what Mueller says. I see with my own eyes that the man is very impeachable. So, you know, impeach him. We, we make power moves. That's how we respond. We protest legislative actions. We don't protest his words. He wants us to protest his words because that makes him important. He, uh, I can say this and I can get him in the streets. No, 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 no. You're a clown. We go to watch you perform and then we, we laugh and then we walk out. That's what we do. But we don't take his words seriously. He, Donald Trump is a joke. He's a comedian. And his people will accept him no matter what he does. The more we don't like it, the more they like it. They're doing it specifically for us not to like it. So we must make power moves. 
We must vote. Now, you've heard this many, many times. People telling you to vote, oh, you know, this has nothing to do with me. In a way, I'm glad that this presidency is so horrible. So all the people that told me, oh, my vote doesn't matter. Oh, you know, I got better things to do. Oh, I don't have nothing to do with that. I don't have nothing to do with me. All these stupid people out here, a lot of them were federal workers, right? When the government shut down for three months, they were affected, it seems, right? A lot of them didn't get paid. Hey, vote. This dude won by 70,000 votes in three states. 4.4 million people, one-third of them black, stayed home instead of voting in 2016. Now we're dealing with this. Your vote matters. Even with the electoral college, whatever. We got to get in the office to even change the electoral college, right? You can't do anything without power. So I'm kind of glad this is happening. You know, this would have been worse if Trump would have been a good white supremacist that was like, yo, I'm sneaky. I know how to get this done, y'all. Like like William Barr, for example, his AG. His AG is a, is a good white supremacist. He knows how to play the game and not seem like he's a white supremacist. Trump, he's a fool, so he's like exposing everything. And he's got people attacking him. But you know, the real good ones, they don't, they don't expose themselves like that. We got to vote. Donald Trump says these things to throw us under a bus and make his audience excited. He talks about minorities as if we are less than, less than anybody else. He does this because he thinks that instead of voting, we will make excuses and his people won't. Let me say that again. He does this because he thinks that instead of voting, we will make excuses and his people won't make excuses. They will show up. We must prove him wrong. Oh, so this is going to keep happening. I think it's time for another break. I'm going to stop yelling at you for a minute. Let's see if we can get something else to play right quick, huh? Let's see here. Deborah, how you doing? <laughs> this is your first time in the studio. How you feel about uh, what you hear? I'm not in the mood for the tricks. Wanna be stuck in the groove with a slip? Well, yeah, I'm glad you're getting that message. We're gonna play this other song by Ty Bless. It's called Dab, and it's something I like a lot. Let's. Jewels are flicking, I'm sagging them. One kiss on the chicken, I'm bagging them. Roof of the heat, I've been wagging them. Hey, hey. I'm living in peace, I'm not mad at them. Wanna wake up the beast, pass a magnum. I need this release to go platinum. Hey, hey. I'm not in the mood for the tricks. Wanna be stuck in the groove with a slip. Think I don't know that you fool with the bricks. Leaving the strippers was in your like next. Hey, you haters are sick. Trolling me, gossiping all in my mix. Thinking I'm not gonna give her this. Hey, flipping a zip and she gave me the lick. When we go outside, we be diving all the way. When you wanna ride, we be diving all the way.
Here I go interrupting this great song just to add some more commentary to uh, some of the week's happenings. I, I just I got to mention this because about three weeks ago, I brought forth a story about cops in seven different metro areas who were getting on Facebook and Twitter and saying the kind of things that you don't really want a police officer to say if he's going to arrest you or your children. And what was that about? So... There's a, there's a group, a non-for-profit group that was monitoring cops on Facebook. They would find out, uh, you know, find their Facebook pages and stuff and, and just follow them for a year and see what kind of things they were posting. And they were posting, like, really bad stuff, like calling black people animals, um, Islam should die, stuff like that. It's a good time, um, a good day for a chokehold. Um, I really, I really love using my billy club. I mean, stuff like that was being posted on Facebook in secret groups that they thought that nobody saw. And they have like three. I think Philadelphia was the first city to, uh, to take action on this. They they basically benched seventy two cops. And just recently, I believe just yesterday, they reported that at least thirteen P- Philadelphia police officers will be fired as a result of racist, homophobic, and violent social media posts. Revealed last month by the Plain View Project, the Plain View Project, which is a non-for-profit, a lawyer started this project because he happened to have a cop friend, I guess, online, and he was posting these outrageous things about his job. You know, you know, if a cop is posting, "Hey, I, what a great day for a chokehold," you're, you're going to be worried about that cop pulling over your son if he's a person of color, right? So Philadelphia fired 13 of them. They're outraged. These officers were t- determined, I'm reading from the, the story now, these officers were determined to be the worst offenders among 328 local cops identified in the project's national database. The police department will suspend them for 30 days with the intent of firing them. I continue to be very disappointed and angered by these posts, many of which violate basic human decency. Who are we hiring as cops? What kind of people are these? We need to move past this ridiculous hate that has consumed this country and has done so for centuries. 3,000 posts in question, 3,000, were uncovered by a team of researchers who spent nearly two years looking at the personal Facebook accounts of police officers from Arizona to, to Florida. They found officers bashing immigrants and Muslims, promoting racist stereotypes, <coughs> Excuse me, identifying with right-wing militia groups, and glorifying police brutality. These are the people that are going to pull over your son when he might have been speeding. A sergeant, in Phil- a sergeant in Philadelphia commented that a young suspect should be taken out in the back and put down like the rabbit animal he is. Is this the person you want arresting your son? All the posts were public. Public. There's some things I don't say on my face. Look, I have a very loud Facebook page, and you should join it. You should go on the Jam- look for the Jamal Show on Facebook, and you should join it. I'm just going to tell you that. But there's some things I won't say. I won't um, expose. I won't. I won't push violence. I won't incite. These are things that I, I do out of basic human decency. If I, if I walked out in the street and I saw a cop dying from a gunshot wound, I'd try to save his life. These are basic human decency things. Even if a person deserves to be punched in the face, I'm not going to be like, yo, I'm really going to love punching you in the face. You know what I'm saying? Even if guys are criminal, that doesn't mean they need to be put down. These posts were public and some dated back to 2010. So for years, these police officers, public servants, were posting degrading remarks about the people that they dealt with in the community. Why are you a cop? So, these are public posts. None of the 72 officers on leave denied the post. Nobody even denied it. They couldn't, I guess. They could have said, I guess they could have said, my son got on my Facebook page or whatever. But this is an outrage. This is an outrage. Let a black cop in a city say, you know what, I really don't like white people on Facebook. See how long he's in office. I mean, see how long he's still a cop. So, I'm glad that people are taking action on this. I want to point out that this police chief is a black one. 
I don't know. There's seven cities that they did this uh this project in, tracking cops. I believe that this should. Why isn't this done by the police departments? You don't monitor your own people. Let me tell you something. When I got admitted to the bar in Connecticut, I had to face a panel of people who asked me about every aspect of my life. I had a guy, an attorney, who went two years back on my Facebook page. He went two years back to find one post that was questionable. And they asked me about it. He printed it out for everybody on the board and asked me about a two-year-old post to be an attorney. And I can't even arrest people. I can't arrest people. I can't put people in jail. I can't handcuff them. But a cop, a guy with, the, with so much power, if, if a cop wants to put you in jail, if he wants to find a reason, they can. If they want to pull you over, they can. It's called a, they actually have a word for it. It's called a pretextual stop. They can stop you for no reason at all and say, well, you know, your back, you know, I don't like the way your muffler was hanging. So I'm going to stop you. Oh, I smell weed. Oh, you know, then it becomes a big thing, right? So these guys can post whatever they want. Nobody monitors them. Everything's fine. I think that this kind of goes back. If you look at the history of law enforcement and race, there's a lot of history there. And one day we're going to be talking about that. But I don't have the time to talk about it now. I do have the time to thank you for being with me on another episode of the Jamal Show. We're doing very well over here. We have a lot of people um, joining us on Facebook, uh, Facebook Live every show. I'm very happy that uh, to be here with you today. I will be back next week. I want to thank you for listening to the Jamal Show. Uh, didn't have my guests say much of anything today, but that's all right. I had a lot to talk about. Um, Jamal Show Radio at gmail.com if you want to contact us. I'm going to be taking my leave of you in just a few minutes, but I want to I want to leave you with some music. So let's see if I can do this really quickly. Here's what I want to end with. Have a good day, y'all.
go to another level. 